If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Healthcare for Humans, hosted by Dr. Sundar, expands our understanding of the history and culture of different communities and how to provide culturally responsive care. There's an episode you should check out where guest Dr. Duran details the systemic barriers faced by individuals with DACA status and highlights the importance of addressing these barriers. Check out Healthcare for Humans on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. I was utilizing that to maintain my sanity <laughs> with work and a child and all of this going on. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Latora. So nice to have you here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. And I know everyone else who is listening is also looking forward to getting to know you and what you do and your drivers. So why don't you start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you again for having me on your podcast. And I am Dr. Latora Grant-Scott. I am a health and wellness consultant. I'm a nurse by clinical training. I've been a nurse for 29 years this month. So 29 years this month of May. I am clinically trained as a cardiovascular nurse. So I'm a certified heart failure nurse. Um, The doctor comes from, I have a PhD in public health. So it's community education and health promotion. So that's where um, the doctor part comes in. And my nine to five, I work in the biopharmaceutical space. So I'm a nurse scientist, but my um, entrepreneurial part is the nurse doc is in. That's where most people know me, especially on social media, is the nurse doc is in. And um, I merged the art and science of nursing with the science and the spirituality and the um, presence of yoga to assist clients with stress management and um, being present in chronic disease management. My longest standing client that I work with um, is a two-time kidney recipient. And I started working with her from just management from her blood pressure, because, you know, with the kidney transplant and blood pressure, and also from stress management point of view of having a transplant. So that's a little bit about me. That's amazing. I didn't know all of that about you. So oh, really? <laughs> your PhD is not in nursing. I, no, it's I not. wasn't aware of that. No. And how did you make that decision going from, you know, nursing to a PhD in another field? So great question. And I always get asked that question. So my master's is not even in nursing. So I have a I have a BSN and then I have a master's in um, public administration. So health service administration. And then my PhD is in public health. So none of my degrees are not all of them are in nursing, but they all go coincide with each other. Um, the decision to get my MPA instead of my MSN at the time I was in leadership and I was in health administration and it made sense. And um, 
And then my PhD made sense because I was getting it to be able to write for grants for rural um, communities because I was working a lot with churches in rural areas. And so I just needed the PhD to be able to write for grants because you need a terminal degree most of the time. And it, community education and health promotion is kind of what I do anyway. So it just made sense to me. So everybody's like, how is it not in nursing? But they all mesh together. They're not all nursing, but they do. They, they complement each other well, I think. But I think that's really good and it makes you unique and and holistic because you're able to bring those other disciplines into nursing or nursing into those other other disciplines to innovate and really pull things together because they definitely do complement each other. So I think that's amazing. Yes. yes. Yeah, I know that that's really cool. And another thing, you know, we have in common is so I believe you're a medical science liaison. Is that correct? Yes, that's my that's my nine to five life. I am a medical science liaison. Yeah. So uh, about nine years ago, I left clinical practice, full time clinical practice, to enter the pharmaceutical industry as a medical science liaison. So my specialty was oncology. So okay. that is one thing we have in common. It, it has been quite a ride. Um, very different from. Uh, being in a clinic. And I always say, you know, this opportunity has really opened me up and helped me explore um, things that I didn't even know I was capable of. So it has been a, a great experience. Absolutely. Um, it was very organic for me as well. I was actually recruited um, into biofarms. It was not something that I was, I was looking for. I had worked with biofarm before because um, I was actually a nurse speaker for several companies in the PAH field because I was um, pulmonary hypertension. And so I was one of the nurse speakers. I was trained by the MSLs, right? But I didn't think about that. And so I was actually recruited. It, it definitely has been a journey. It has been interesting. I've uh, been in um, this field now for eight years, a little over eight years, almost nine. So it, that's a long time in bioform, which you know. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Yeah. I was an MSL for three years and then I moved over to R&D as a clinical scientist. And then I moved into uh, investigative patient engagement yes. uh, where I am now. But yes, I, I love uh, MSLs. I think it's the best <laughs> position in pharma just because you have, you know, the FaceTime with customers, which is essential. Um, so that, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about how you transitioned and, you know, well, I guess I can't even say from nursing. because <laughs> <laughs> How did you transi transition into entrepreneurship? So that was um, organic as well. It was not something that I sought out. Um, I started doing yoga like consistently and as a my personal practice when I was going through my divorce. So I was going through a divorce. And so I was utilizing that to maintain my sanity <laughs> with work and a child and all of this going on and keep my blood pressure from killing me. I tell people all the time, that's, that was not my avenue. But how I entered into the yogic space is a little different than what most people think about. Because most, most of the time when we think about yoga, we think about the asanas, right? The postures that you see, the different movements. But there are eight limbs of yoga. And how I entered it was from the meditation space. So I practice a form of meditation called Centering Prayer, which is a Christian-based form of meditation. And I was doing um, practicing Centering Prayer. And I was getting deep into my Centering Prayer practice. So I was doing that to keep my mind together. And then 
my blood pressure, I was like, okay, so I got to get some movement in here too. So I started, then I started with the Ashana. So originally it was from the, the um, meditation piece. And I was posting online because at that time I only had my personal page. So I was posting so I could see myself and so that I could keep up with me. And then it inspired the people, I guess. I didn't really know anybody was paying attention to me. I was just posting for me. And then like two days, because I usually would post every Monday for sure. And then like maybe two weeks, I didn't post. And I started getting messages like, what happened? <laughs> Where are you? Are you all right? I was like, what are you talking about? And it was like, you didn't post. What's going on? And so I was like, first of all, I didn't know anybody was paying attention to me. But okay, I'm fine. I just didn't post, right? Um, and so that's how that started. And then one of my best friends, which I call my sister, she, I always say was, but she is a occupational therapist by training, right? Hand, hand specialist. She left clinical practice and opened a gourmet chocolate business. So she went into entrepreneurship and she has this blooming um, business. She saw what I was doing. And so she gifted me my logo as a Christmas present. She was like, now go do something. <laughs> she, was, she was like, so the nurse doc is in was actually, she had it. The artist do it. She gifted it to me. And then I had it trademarked. And so that's kind of how the, the that um, business birthed from there. And then I had people uh, working with me. And then really in 2020, it picked up a lot because I, I, did, I was doing a lot of it virtually anyway, just because of my job, because I still have a, a nine to five. And with 2020, when everything went virtual, um, that I felt that that was my way of actually giving back a lot to the nursing as well, because I um, I got offers, to, of course, to go to New York. I got offers to be in the trenches. But my mother, who is a senior and my son, at he's not in the house now, but at the time who has diagnosed as I couldn't in good faith go out and then bring something into them. So how I gave back was working with um, nursing to help them stress manage as they were in the trenches. And so it really picked up during uh, 2020. So. Yeah. A lot of nurses started their business in 2020 with the pandemic. And yeah. I think it's an amazing phenomenon or time because nurses were able to really hone in on their skills and realize, including myself, that we are not defined by a healthcare institution. We can really create our own reality and still have impact in the world. Um, I think, you know, prior to 2020, many of us were, were stuck defining ourselves as nurses at the bedside, providing care to patients. But with COVID, we really understood that we can have impact outside of a healthcare institution. So I think it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and I mean, then, as I'm sure you know, full well-being in biofarm as well is not even not from the entrepreneurship because everybody's not because this, this is not for the week. Everybody is not meant to be an entrepreneur. But I think a lot of time nurses, we don't realize that there are other options for us beyond the bedside. And so being in that space, like I said, I didn't even know that the MSL world existed until I was recruited to be a speaker. And then somebody figured out, right, that I had a PhD. And they were like, wait a minute, <laughs> you, need to, 
you know, are you interested in, in this at all? So I think a lot of times we just don't know. We don't know that those opportunities exist. And even in the MSL space, the majority of MSLs are PharmDs, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. rare. But a nurse, especially a nurse with the MSN, they want that because of the clinical practice and uh, the expertise that we have. I think that it's just that we don't know that those opportunities are available. Yes, that's very true. And I think, you know, to that point, schools of nursing need to do a better job exposing aspiring nurses to non-traditional roles in nursing so they can really understand the impact they have. I think, you know, we do clinical in the hospital and in clinics, but um, no one's really talking about the other uh, pathways you can take in nursing. So I think that uh, it's great that we're out here, we're, we're exposed, like on social media, there are so many uh, nurses who are, you know, running their own business, have their regular nine to five or still at the bedside. So I think people are kind of catching on that, you know, there's so much more uh, to nursing than working in the hospital or a clinic. So I agree. I agree. But I, I know it's a slow process because a lot of times people still don't really understand what nurses do either. <laughs> so even at the bedside, it's like, it's, it's not what you think. We're not just bringing people coffee and whatever, you know, like that is not what we do. So I, I think it is a slow process, but I, I think it's definitely evolving. And I totally, I, I love the idea that you said of uh, engaging nursing schools, schools of nursing programs, so that they know what opportunities are there. Because like I said, when I graduated, uh, that's what you do. You graduate and you go work in a hospital, you know, or you go work in a doctor's office. Those were the two choices, right? Oh, yeah. That's what you do. So I think having, um, being, being aware that there's something else available is, is key. Yes. And also with the pandemic, I think, you know, our society really have a better understanding of what we do. Maybe not 100 percent, but, you know, like, you know, we're both in in stress management uh, for nurses or healthcare professionals. Um, I think the pandemic brought that about, brought visibility to how stress and burnt out nurses, other healthcare professionals, specifically nurses are. Um, with the pandemic. So I think that's a, a plus for us. Now it's what do we do about it? Yes. Now that uh, we know, because you and I both know that nurses were stressed and burned out prior to the pandemic. Way before. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Society's now like catching like, oh my God, they're going through so much. But uh, it has been an ongoing um, issue that we've been definitely battling and the nursing shortage and all that, all of that has become amplified uh, with the pandemic. It's not anything new. Um, So uh, I think that's important for people to know, but I would love to uh, hear more about your practices and and, and yoga. And and I love that you say the science of uh, (laughs) nursing and yoga. And I would love to hear just more about the science of that, how you, you know, marry those two. Oh, definitely. So the science of nursing, I think, is because I do the the private clients that I work with, nurses, yes, definitely, but the non-nurses, a lot of them it is for chronic disease management. So I still have my clinical hat. I, I do an assessment, you know, to figure out. So it's very specialized. I do an assessment. It's not just they're coming to me and then we're just you're doing sun salutations for 30 minutes and then they go. We we do that too, but we, you know, it's a it's a whole assessment that happens, like an hour assessment before we ever hit a mat. That so we do this assessment because I gotta figure out what's going on with you and also physically what you can do, but also where you are. 
in, in your person, right? So what do, what do I need to address? Because it may be that the physical piece isn't what you need. What you need is to sit down and be still for a minute and meditate. That's what you really need. That's what's going on with you. So that's where the science comes in, knowing and being able to explain that there are actually clinical studies. And, you know, that's what we do. So there are actually clinical studies that tell you what the benefits of yoga are to your physiological person, right? There are articles on meditation and how that impacts and how that all integrates. And so it's not this woo-woo, you know, um, sitting in the corner omen kind of thing, which it can be that, but it actually has a physiological effect on you. Um, I talked to clients the other day about cardiac coherence, what that is, and when you regulate your breath and how that impacts your um, PNS system. And down, you can downregulate yourself and control your heart rhythm and control your blood pressure and everything like that. That's all science. It may sound but that's science. All right. There is there is science behind that. And it's a real phenomenon. And so there are studies behind it. And so that's when I say I, I merged the art and science because that's that nerd girl in me is like I'll read something like, OK, that makes sense. But why? So why is that happening? So then I backtrack and kind of pick what the science of it is, because, the, you know, they'll just be like, oh, you know, because I talk about the bliss hormone all the time. Right. So we were taught in anatomy physiology, the body systems, we were taught about, you know, respiratory, CNS, blah, blah, blah. So we were taught that the CNS system controls our body. That's not really true. The endocannabinoid system controls it because the endocannabinoid system controls the CNS. So if it controls the CNS, then it controls your body, right? And so you actually make these cannabinoids, which I was like, who, why nobody told us this? You make these cannabinoids normally. It's not, you got to smoke anything, you got to take it. You make them, but you can enhance how you make them by doing yogic practices. And so when I started reading those studies on that, I was like, okay, kind of my jam right here. I got this. So that's kind of what happens. I'll get these new concepts that will come to me or people will bring them to me. And then I go, okay, well, what's the science behind that? So that's how I merge the science with that. So I kind of figure out how is it impacting your body if we're doing this and why is it doing that? And then I can explain it. You know, that's what nurses do. We take these complicated concepts and then we explain it. Like we're, we're an interpreter. That's why I used to tell my doctors all the time. It's like, you go in there, you, they don't know what you said. And then, <laughs> and then I come in and explain it because they, they were just yank shaking their head, but they didn't, they don't get it. So yeah. That's 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 what I mean by merging the science with that. And that's the reason why nurses make the best mentors and coaches, because it's not just the woo woo. You're just doing, you know, like whatever needs to be done or what other people are doing. But there's science behind it. And that's what I pride myself on, too, just like you. Right. It's evidence based practice. We're not yes. just doing things just to do it or it sounds good or it looks good or I saw it on social media. It's really the science behind what we're doing. Right. And also another advantage is the assessment part. Yes. yes. That assessment. So you're not just throwing, you know, spaghetti at the wall, so to speak. It, it is very personalized. It's very um, strategic. It's thoughtful. It's methodical. It's not just, well, everybody get on the mat, you know? Right. So, I mean, so. In, a, in a group yoga class, right? A group class, you got everybody. And so as an instructor, when I'm doing a group class, I do group classes too. You kind of be, you have to be able to read the room. Right. That's kind of like when you speak, you got to be able to read the room because I may have someone that's been practicing 
30 years longer. I mean, longer than I have. And then you have somebody that's their first class. You have to read the room and you, you adjust. But when it's a one-on-one situation, you paid me to be a your, your actual coach in this particular area. It has to be customized to you and everybody's different. And then a lot of times I get clients when they're meeting with me because, oh, I want to lose weight. Right. OK. All right. That's what you say. OK, that's what you want to do. Fine. And that may be a goal. But what's really going on? And so then you do the assessment. And so one of the things that I one of the tools I use is a um, wellness SWOT analysis. So we know about SWOT analysis for business, but this is a wellness SWOT analysis. And we do this SWOT analysis and they have to fill it out before they meet with me. So they fill that out and then I look at it and then I figure out kind of how the conversation is going to go. And then we meet. And so we talk about it. And it's like, yeah, weight loss is a goal, but the issue is you're not sleeping. And so you're not sleeping. That has your cortisol levels up. So they're barely not going nowhere because of that. And so you wouldn't know that if all they said was, I want to lose weight. And so then the, the recommendations, because I don't prescribe, the recommendations become different because of the information that I was given. And so it's very um, science based for me uh, and how I, I interact. And I know a lot of times people don't think that they just think, oh, well, I'm just going to contact you. We're going to do 30 minutes of whatever. My last night, I were, we never once got on the mat the entire hour. And then I sent her postures to do later, but I was like, that's not what you need. What we need to do is talk about what's, what's, what's happening right now. So that's just kind of how I, um, I run my, my little business. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a big business. That's, that's a big business. And I think more people need to really understand the science behind what we do and why, we should be in the coaching business, right? Because we have so much to offer, um, you know, the science, the art, how we do it. Like, like you said, an assessment, like how many other coaches can say they actually do an assessment that is meaningful, that they know what they're looking for to identify the cause. Like you said, I'm, I want weight loss, but no, that's not, it's insomnia. Like, you know, there's other things we, we have to, uh, and we're trained to do that. Right. So it's a nursing assessment. assessment. Right. We are definitely trained to do that. And I want to kind of go back to something else you said, uh, the cannabinoid system. Can can you talk more about that in cannabis? Yes. So um, one of my coaches, because I always have a coach at different points as well myself. So one of my coaches is a nurse who owns a um, cannabis wellness so, you know, like these medical spots, she has a cannabis one in Atlanta. Uh, hey, Sierra, if you watch it. <laughs> so uh, I went through a training with her once I I was reading about it on my own. And then, I, like I said, I always get a coach. So how that incorporates each other is similar to how my degrees are different. Right. My degrees are different, but they complement each other. So the cannabis um, nurse consulting is a whole nother realm of nursing specialty. That's blooming, right? For me, I incorporated into my currently what I do in my lane because you can trigger and enhance and get your body to enhance its own endocannabinoid system through yogic practices. So through meditation, through the ashanas, you can actually enhance it yourself. Now you can take CBD or take um, cannabis to enhance your yoga practice, which is a whole other topic for another day. (laughs) You can do that too. But 
you can actually trigger your system to create what they call um, an anandamide. Anandamide, so I told you I pick one thing and then I, I pick it apart. Anandamide is the bliss hormone. So we were taught in yoga, not in yoga, I'm sorry, in anatomy physiology that when we exercise, you get endorphins and that's what makes you feel bliss, right? That's not true. What makes you feel bliss is anandamide. And if you think about it, it makes sense because endorphins are opioids. That calms you down, right? That's what we give them for. But anandamide gives you that giddy, giddy high. So when you have the runner thing or whatever, that that's anandamide. But mothers produce that hormone when they breastfeed and they pass it on to their babies because you're happy because you're connecting, right? So you can eat dark chocolate and it's dark chocolate people without Hershey's. Because I, I always, when I say chocolate, they think, I'm not talking about Snickers, okay? Dark chocolate does the same thing. And then breath work can do the same thing. So you can create this blissful state by breath work. And so that science part of it was just amazing to me. And so again, it complements what I was already doing. And so you can you can enhance your endocannabinoid system through yoga practices and vice versa, because there's a whole realm of yoga now that's cannabis yoga where they either toke up or they take an edible or something before the yoga practice. So that's a whole nother topic, but yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's another option, you know, like if you wanted to add that to your business, I mean, you know, it's another option. So I think that that's amazing. That's very interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So what would you tell someone who wants to try to get into yoga and they think yoga and breath work is all woo woo, you know, like <laughs> what is like, what would you tell them? How can they get started if they, they want to try it? So it's a great question. And I get that a lot. And what I also get a lot is I'm not flexible enough to do yoga. So those are two separate things. So what I always encourage people is that you're doing yoga every day, whether you know you're doing it or not, because you're breathing. So if you can breathe, you can do yoga. That's a whole arm of yoga, um, pranayama, the breath. It's just intentional. So intentionality is what makes it focused. You are focusing on your breath. If you're having anxiety and people tell you to, to stop and focus and to breathe, it, that's yoga, right? It's not uh, a lot of times what we see on social media, especially the postures, that's contortionism. Those are different. I've been doing yoga for almost 10, 12 years, and there's certain postures I can't get into because my hips don't do that, right? <laughs> it's just your body, everybody's body is different, and that's okay. And so I think it's the only thing that you have to, you just have to have an open mind. You have to have an open mind, and there there's practices for everyone. My favorite yoga to teach is restorative yoga, and restorative yoga is for everybody, everybody. Number one, most when I teach restorative yoga, you're not really even hardly moving because I'm coming to prop you up and then you're just laying still on a bolster. You lay down at least once a day anyway, right? You can do this. So it's just having a, a open mind. That's, that's the one thing. And then the, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga. That's why you do yoga. <laughs> you get, you get more flexible as you practice. And it's a, it's a practice. It's not perfect. It's a practice in it's just like practicing medicine, right? I tell people that all the time. We're practicing or they're practicing medicine, meaning 
we're doing the best of what we have right now. But sometimes we don't know. It's a practice. It's not. It's not perfect. So that's it. Yeah. And what what would you say about yoga and weight loss? Because I'm seeing a lot out there on social media about yoga can help you lose weight. But again, root cause, right? What's causing your weight gain? Yoga can definitely help you lose weight um, on on two aspects. So if you're doing a bunch of power yoga classes, you're going to tone. I mean, because you're standing, you're doing push-ups and you're doing, I mean, because it's, that's an exercise regimen. You're going to, but just like with any other exercise, and I had, had clients that worked with me and I was like, I didn't lose weight. Okay. Because you didn't stop eating the way you eat. Okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's not magic, right? It is not magic. It, you, it's no, it's not really a deep science to weight loss. Food is for fuel. It's for your body to move. If you're not going to go anywhere, you don't need to fill the car up. (laughs) So you burn off more than you put in. That's how you lose weight. It's not science. I mean, it is, but it's not. It's it's simple science. However much you take in, you got to burn off more than that as far as calories if you're going to lose weight. That's one thing. But sometimes... People feel like they're doing that, but you can't have such a calorie deficit to where your body is holding on to everything you put in it either. So that is another assessment piece, because if your body feels like it's that you're starving it, you're not going to lose no weight either, because everything you eat, I'm going to hold on to because I don't know when you're going to feed me again. <laughs> so so I'm just going to hold on to that. And so you, you have to get clients to understand there is a balance there. Right. You have to um, eat enough drink enough water so that you can function your, your normal functioning. And then you just exert a little bit more to burn, burn off those calories, but you can't starve yourself either. I mean, eventually, yeah, if you, you know, starve yourself, you'll be emaciated and then you'll, but that's not healthy. But if you're trying to lose weight by starving, 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 because then first of all, usually what happens is people binge eat because I've been starving myself. And then, so when I do eat, I eat everything. <laughs> everything I see. So, yeah, no that that that's really good. That, that that's really good. It's understanding your why too. Like, why do you want to do it? But what's the problem? Like, you're trying to mm-hmm. solve. I think everyone wants a quick solution to weight loss, but but just like stress, right? If you want a quick solution, like yeah. you didn't get there in one day, right? It's going to take some time for you to develop new habits and discipline. Um, and talk to us about magic one. Is right, <laughs> right, right. And talk to us about discipline. I know you started with, you know, yoga, um, you know, you said with your divorce, but how did you get into, because I mean, to practice yoga every day, you have to be disciplined. You have to be regimented. What work did you have to do and how do you teach your clients to become disciplined and regimented and really incorporate it into their life? Scheduling um, is, is for me key. So I, when I work with clients, because I live by a calendar, right? I, I live by a calendar just from, because I still have a nine to five. I got my stuff I have to do at my house. Then I have my business. If it's not on the calendar, it's probably not going to get done because I forgot. <laughs> it's just, I forgot. So you have to, you have to schedule things. And people are like, will you schedule what? Yes. When my alarm goes off in the morning, you know how you can put labels on your alarm? It has a label on it. And sometimes it says stuff like get up, <laughs> get up. or it'll say 
cardio today. You know, the alarm says something. So that's a calendar for me. Um, even my work calendar, because you know, you can on your work calendar, you can make things private. I schedule in self-care. And so if I've been working for an hour on the computer, and at the end of that hour for 15 minutes, it's blocked out time because I need to get up. Number one, if you've been sitting for an hour, you need to get up. That's how your hips and stuff get locked. You need to get up and walk around. So I get up, I move around, I do yoga. And so when people, when I tell people I do yoga every day, they think that I'm going to a class or I'm doing an hour of this every day. Mm-mm. Sometimes it's my 20 minute morning meditation, which I do that every morning because that's my connection time with God because that's me and him. So sometimes it's just that. That's what I get done that day. Other times it's like 15 minute increments throughout the day. Get up, stretch, do a forward fold because your back is tight because you've been sitting at the computer all day. Um, do some balancing poses. One of the, the poses that I teach, the balancing poses that I teach my clients and I tell them to do every day when they're working with me is tree pose. Because you can do that pose while you're standing in front of the mirror brushing your teeth. And then like now, because I do it so much, I do it when I'm standing in line in the grocery store because I don't think about it. If I'm standing still, I do it. People look at you funny, but that's okay. (laughs) You just do what you do. So you can get it. You can get it in the things you have to do as you're standing at the counter. You have to wash dishes, right? If you're washing dishes by hand, you can do it. If you're brushing your teeth, you can do it. Um, so there's different ways to incorporate it. And then Savasana, everybody can do Savasana because at some point in the day, you're going to lay down, hopefully, to go to sleep. Lay there for a few moments and actually it will probably help you fall asleep and just breathe, be still, and just sit. That's a, that's actual actual yoga pose to be laid, laid out. Um, so that's how you can do it every day. It's not the full. Now, there are some days where I do have classes. I taught yesterday. So there are some days where I do have full out hour classes. But most of the time, it's these little 15 minute increments here and there, here and there. So that's how you can do it every day. Yeah, I, I love yoga. And when I go, I just feel so refreshed. So I'm reset. I'm ready for anything. So it is really good. I, w- I would love to ask you, you're talking about the street pose. You can do it at different um, times throughout the day. What are, What's the benefit of a tree pose? So tree pose is balancing. It's, it's considered one of the balancing poses, right? And so you're, you're doing it on either side. And so you do it both sides. If you do it one side, you do both sides so that you remain in balance, right? Um, but it engages your core muscles because your core has to hold you up. Um, you can do it with your foot still on the floor. So it's not so much this kind of balance with the pre- tree pose that we see a lot of times is with the foot all the way up toward the groin. But you can also do it with a, against the ankle. But even with that, when you your standing foot is your grounding foot. And so are you able to put your body weight on that one side and noticing how that feels? Are you able to engage your quads? in your legs? Is your core tight enough to hold you up without your teetering? And if you are teetering, it's okay because then your ankle is doing what it's supposed to do to keep you from falling over. So it's really a chance for you to kind of check in with your body to see what's going on. But the um, the benefit of it is balance and focus because uh, what I teach, especially in a, a group class, because you're going to fall over if you're doing this, don't look at other people. 
find you a spot in front of you that's not moving. And other people are usually moving, right? <laughs> find you a spot on the floor or find you a spot on the wall that's not moving and focus and then do it. And so it gives it teaches your brain to focus too and to also cut out the, the clutter because you keep trying to keep yourself from falling over. So those are the benefits of um, the tree poses for balance and for, for mental focus. Yeah, I love that. And and even using it in terms of stress management, because, you know, the way I teach stress management, it's really regaining control yes. and regaining your power and your energy, but really coming into yourself. You know, that balancing act is 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 crucial. Um, I love the fact that you said coming into yourself, because that's a lot of what yoga is. And um, sometimes I work with other clinicians when they refer people to me is because they're not. Um, they need to be back in tune with their bodies and being present with, with yourself. And yoga is a lot of that too. Um, Cause we could do, like I said, the restorative yoga where you're not doing a lot of postures, but we're talking through. Okay. So what does the air feel like against your feet where you have to pay attention to your, to your feet? You may have paid attention to your feet all day, right? Coming back into your actual physical self, being back in your body, which sounds strange to people um, that aren't in mental health or into wellness. That it's like, what do you mean? I'm in my body all day. You're really not. You're just kind of you're moving. You're you're existing, but you're not present in it. And so, bringing people back into presence. So, um, there's a lot of of what I do when I work with clients, especially with stress management. It's like, yeah. Yeah, because society, a lot of us are just, we we are just here. We exist. We are just going. And, you know, it's funny. I was at a, um, I was doing a talk in my hometown and, you know, I was asking people like, what's your vision? If you can write anything, like, you know, what would you want your life to be? And I think it was like two people that was able to really do it. Yeah. But people aren't, they can't think because they're just so stressed, so inundated with so much that it was an eye opener for me. It was, it was an eye opener to like, you know, people in this world and someone in the audience said it that, you know, we're just going, we're just showing up. Right. We're just, you know, Oh, it's eight o'clock. I have to be here. Like, you know, not thinking, is that what I really want to do? Am I aligned with that? You know, <laughs> um, so you're, that, in a, you're in survival mode. I'm getting through this moment right now. I'm getting through today because we're in survival mode. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times I get pushback and people are like, well, how, you can't live and not be present. Yes, you can. It's the same concept of have you ever been in your car and you get somewhere and you don't remember how you drove there? You you got there safely, too. But you really if you had to think about it, you don't remember everything you did to get there because you were on autopilot and we live like that. Yeah, it's so true. I always say you got to get in tune to feed your subconscious mind, right. which is going to feed your conscious mind. Um, but yeah, I think that getting into, you know, your body is so important. And that's where you carry the stress. I always say like, yes. it's, up here, but it's in your body. It's in yes. your body. That's where it lives. You know, um, that's why there's so many, you know, mental and physical health issues attached to stress because it lives in your body. Absolutely. Um, so have you ever um, read the book, The Body Keeps the Score? No, I have not. That that whole book is like science behind what you just said. Mm. Your hips are tight, especially women. A lot of times, um, 
sometimes it can be trauma, like from sexual trauma, but sometimes it's just that's when you hold stress. That's why your hips and your back tight. I always get a stress. I can tell when I'm really, really stressed. I get this knot that's in my back and it comes in the same spot every single time. And it, when I was going through my divorce, it was so bad. I actually went and had an MRI because I just knew it was a tumor. It's not. It's the stress was just that intense. So it's a great book if you haven't read it. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it talks about um, headaches sometimes aren't always headaches. It could be dehydration. It could be whatever. But a lot of times it is stress and you're holding it in these different parts of your body. Oh, I have to get that book. Anybody tell me about a book? I'm like, okay, Amazon <laughs> or Audible. <laughs> I can listen. To That's it. what I usually do, yeah. Audible, because I, have, I can't. I'm trying to do all this other stuff. So I'm listening to the book. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation. How can people get in contact with you? Thank you. So it has been a great conversation. Like I, when we started, I was like, I can't believe I haven't talked to her in person, sort of in person, but yes. Um, you can find me at the nurse doc is That's my website. You can find me on social media. The nurse doc is Zen and it's Z E N instead of like the doctor is in it's the nurse doc is Zen Z E N. Um, or you can uh, find me on, uh, if you go to the website, it, it shows you all my other social media and stuff like that. But the main one is the nurse doc is Zen.com. And then you can book from there. Um, that's it. The nurse awesome. doc is in. Everything is in. My email is the nurse doc is it's info dot the nurse doc is in dot com. <laughs> dot com. So that's great branding. Everything is Dr. Zen. Dr. Yes. Zen. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So before I let you get out of here, I have to do a rapid fire. Is that OK? Sure. I, <laughs> my brain might work. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Wellness means. Wellness means balance. I know I'm stressed when. I know I'm stressed when I dream I'm back in nursing school. (laughs) (laughs) Every single time. (laughs) Oh, I was not expecting that one. (laughs) It's the truth though. (laughs) Oh, my go-to stress management solution is my go-to stress management solution is center in prayer. That's that's my superpower for sure. And what is something that people get wrong about you? Um, something that people get wrong about me. People get wrong about me that I am. Uh, sometimes they they think I'm standoffish, and I'm really not. I'm really um, I'm really actually shy, but I. I talk when I have to. (laughs) (laughs) What have you learned about yourself since the pandemic? What have I learned about myself since the pandemic? What I've learned about myself since the pandemic is that is the resilience for me. Um, And what that means for me, I think when we were doing the challenge, I talked about that resilience is not endurance. It's not how much you can stand before somebody kills you. Resilience is being able to thrive. And that's definitely what the pandemic um, brought out in me, that I am resilient, but it's not because of all the the trauma and all the stuff that I withstood and didn't die. But the resilience piece of it is that you become stronger and you become better. What would you tell an aspiring nurse who's in nursing school right now? 
I would tell an aspiring nurse to hang in there. It is definitely, it's worth it. Um, remember why you are becoming and that there are so many options out there. I tell people all the time, nursing is a golden ticket. You just have to know where it can take you. And so it's, it's, it's stressful and it's hard, but it's worth it. What would you tell an experienced or seasoned nurse? I would tell a seasoned or experienced nurse is that you can't give what you don't have. Um, I the past couple of months I've been reading more about because um, that's that science part of me. Um, compa- uh, Self care, compassion fatigue. Because we talk about compassion fatigue or um, burnout as far as nurses and caring for others or nursing and caregivers. But there is a such thing as self-care, compassion, fatigue. Well, we don't give ourselves grace at all. So you're supposed to be superwoman or superman at work, at home, everywhere. And you don't give yourself an opportunity to be human and give yourself some grace. And so for seasoned nurses, I think that that's a very important that you have to hone in and have to um, gain your own self-care practice or you can't, that's why you get burnout. You, you have to take that time for yourself. You have to. Yeah, no, that is so true. That that's really good. Uh, and those seasoned nurses, you know, those aspiring nurses are coming and they, they need you. <laughs> oh, and, the, and if, if I can add one more thing to seasoned nurses, which was always, this has always been a pet peeve of mine. The, the, Thing that we accept nurses eat their young. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, you train, you be the mentor that you didn't have, that you wish you had when new nurses are coming in. You, you train them and you care for them the way that you wish someone had done for you. Yeah, I love that because it's not about you. No, it's really about the profession. Like, you know, our profession right now, we're fractured and we have, you know, these young aspiring nurses who are dedicating their lives to the profession. So we have to welcome them with open arms. Yes. You know, yeah. so we have to remove ourselves out of it and uh, stop making it so personal. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Dr. Latour. This has been amazing. And we'll definitely have to have you back. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing your um, platform with me. Definitely enjoyed the discussion. And we definitely have to connect. I did not know you were in Bioform too, so we definitely need to talk. <laughs> yes, to talk. yes, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. Before you go, I would love to share a free stress management resource with you. Go to stressblueprint.com and download your free copy of the three questions to ask when you are stressed. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Healthcare for Humans, hosted by Dr. Sundar, expands our understanding of the history and culture of different communities and how to provide culturally responsive care. There's an episode you should check out where guest Dr. Duran details the systemic barriers faced by individuals with DACA status and highlights the importance of addressing these barriers. Check out Healthcare for Humans on your favorite podcast platform 
or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.